everybody, welcome to Tara and Andrew vs. the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. I'm Tara. I'm Andrew. And this is the 31st, not 3,726 part series, wherein we choose a movie at random from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, watch it, do some research, and tell you what we thought and learned. We have uh, one rule that we abide by, one main rule, and that's that as a movie we are honor-bound to watch unless it is something that we've already seen, or there's a couple other exceptions that we will invoke as necessary should the situation call for it that's right uh, in our last episode we watched the movie demon lover demon lover and uh not very good i would say not not a fan of demon lover yeah i think we covered that pretty well yeah but there was one particular aspect we wanted to return to yeah uh and i somehow when we were watching this didn't pick up on how terrible a lot of the dialogue at least a lot of the english dialogue was uh here's some of the audio just to give you a, a taste of how awful it was as you can see business has increased by 35 percent and our market share has doubled we are now the primary distributors for japanese comics and animated films both in the u.s and the rest of the world and we've also acquired new names for the web uh, smaller sites, um, manga sex, sex manga, adult manga, SM manga, Japan porno. They're all directly linked to our main demon lover site. Very good sites. You visited them? Yes, yeah, sure, I did. I like them. Japan porno, excellent. Well, if you give us the rights to Tokyo Anime products, we'll control 75% of the world market. But the deal has to specify that you'll cut off supplies to all our competitors. Especially Mangatronics. Exactly. Mangatronics cannot get anything. Not one magazine, not one book, not one tape, not one DVD, nada. If they lose adult manga, they'll wither away and disappear. And uh, we'll take over their share of the business. Basically, we have the possibility here to kill Mangatronics. I say let's do it. Pretty bad. Pretty awful. Mega uh, Mangatronics can't get one... One magazine. Not, not one single DVD. We'll have 75%. Like, who... The, it just is... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's knuckle-crackingly <laughs> yeah. frustrating. It just was, like, so stupid. So, like, just the idea that somebody would think that that's how... Business hint, meetings. Especially business meetings about hentai go. And, <laughs> God. Uh, so, I mean... And it's delivered so badly. Yeah. And, like, the entire time Monica Bellucci is just like, hey, everybody, look at my hand and my cigarette here. Yeah, you said it was, it was like, Groucho Marx. Yeah, it was Groucho Marx-esque. Marx-esque. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just dumb, dumb movie. Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, so, in other words, please go watch this movie. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> but uh, this time it is Tara's turn to pick this for this episode. Please close your eyes. Close. I will start flipping through the book now. I'll leave the stop. Stop. Oh. Nope. Fast. Oh, you need me to go back? No, no, you're fine. All right. All right. You picked up the one that I was just looking at. Permanent Midnight, 1998. So Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson, etc., etc. So actually, I wanted to see this. So good That's pick. good. Um, yeah. So. Permanent Midnight is a mixed bag of an addiction drama based on the memoir of Jerry Stahl, the acclaimed writer whose severe drug habit made him stoop to 
bringing his baby along while scoring heroin, and worse, writing for sitcoms. Alf, specifically. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Stiller is quite good to stall. He, he usually channels his anger and self-doubt into comedy, but here he brings it right to the surface. There are also some great scenes of drug-induced awfulness. Stahl was a writer for ALF, so we see him high out of, out of his mind doing an insane pitch for a fictionalized version called Mr. Chompers. Later, the Chompers puppet haunts him in his hallucinations. If only they could have gotten the rights to the, use the real ALF puppet, says the book. Not, oh, that's boy. That's not my aside. Uh, despite those scenes, this just isn't a particularly compelling story and doesn't have much new to say about addiction. Eh, they're indifferent about it, but still, it's a story about a writer for ALF who was hooked on heroin. That's uh, pretty compelling, I would say. Yep. So. All right. All right. Uh, all right. Great. Uh, how? <laughs> how some, <laughs> somebody honking in their uh, parking lot, so. Every time I say a word. Yeah. Try to incorporate as much of that as we can into yep. the podcast. Just that's Honk what people, yep, people want to hear cars honking in the background. Well, we'll be back after this musical interlude with our thoughts and opinions on Permanent Midnight. Everybody, we are back, having just injected permanent midnight into our eyeball things. That doesn't happen in a movie, thankfully. But, uh, it does. Not far off. No, not not too far off. I guess. <laughs> let's go do some drugs. I mean, before we start recording, oh yeah, let's do just, some drugs. It just makes me want to do drugs all yep. the time watching yep. that movie. Um, <laughs> no. So before we get into it, shall we? Give our rating. Yeah, let's do our, our rating on our five-point scale, uh, ranging from don't watch, maybe don't watch, eh, maybe watch, and at the top of the scale, don't not watch. Uh, on the count of three, shall we? Sure. Do you have, you have a rating in mind? Yes, okay. do you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. One, two, three. Eh. Eh. I was leaning toward maybe don't watch, but I'm like, it's not quite as bad as Demon Lover. <laughs> yeah. It's... <laughs> Certainly not a maybe watch. No, yeah, definitely <laughs> definitely not a maybe watch and not totally awful. Right. So it's a weird movie to have to try to talk about. Like, it, it's a biopic kind of, but it's like a movie adaptation of a autobiographical novel. It, novel <laughs> Auto, autobiography yeah we'll just put it that way autobiography yeah it's a novel it's a work of literature <laughs> well, people seem to like the book a lot but I, like i don't well maybe the i i gotta think it must be better yeah. he didn't write the screenplay right so you know i think he being jerry Stahl. jerry Stahl, yes yeah. so this so yeah the movie's based on an autobiography by jerry Stahl of the same name yeah, it's got to be better than the movie, just because, you know, anytime that you're doing a movie adaptation of a book, it's going to be an abridged version of the book by nature. It feels like it doesn't work well when it's a abridged version of a autobiography. At least it didn't work for me in this case. Yeah. So it's going to be weird to talk about the plot, but just because it's like, he did a bunch of drugs, and then there's another scene where he did some drugs. But yeah. yeah. So we start off being introduced to... 
Jerry Stahl, who is having a sexual encounter with a woman named Kitty in a motel room. She picked him up when he was working at a fast food fish place. Yeah. Yes, you do. Yeah. The whole setup with them being in the hotel room together is the, the framework for the entire movie, kind of what holds everything together. It's him telling his story of addiction to her and his, his life in Hollywood and, and things like that. It didn't really work for me. It, it did not work for me I don't know how either. much of it is true to <laughs> his actual life, but it just felt like it was pointless. It, it, yeah. It, it was awkward, just like... The whole idea of being picked up by a woman and then just like spending two days holed up with her in a motel room, just like, oh, so there was this other time I shot up, and, yeah. and then then this happened, and, and this is another shitty thing I did. A, a totally then, natural human interaction. That's just yeah, what a totally totally natural human interaction, and it and it goes over the span of a few days. Yeah, it, just awkward. Yeah, it, like you didn't need to do it this way to do. I you mean, really didn't need just, to. Like I'm not a screenwriter, but it just seemed like there was a better way it could have been done. It was just totally unnecessary yeah and I, I mean i get that they're trying to kind of incorporate some of the the narrative elements from the book into the movie somehow but it could have been done without that el- plot element for sure so yeah that's kind of the, uh, the the setup for the movie and we see jerry so he's hanging out with his friend nikki played by owen wilson and then uh nikki's girlfriend and i guess her friend yep her Sandra. friend her friend Sandra, who needs a green card. Yeah, played by Elizabeth Hurley. Jerry and Sandra get married so that she can get her green card, and then it's just various scenes of him going into his writing job that she gets him. She gets him a writing job yeah. for the Mr. Chompers TV show, which uh obviously as we mentioned earlier is the the stand-in for elf since they couldn't get the rights to elf and it, the character looked very similar to elf very similar to elf greener and yeah was wearing glasses he had, he had clothes on and he had like a british accent yeah but uh but otherwise elf very very elfian so jerry is just like constantly using heroin while he's holding down this job and he essentially just like kind of scrapes by the episodes he writes everybody loves them and he uses bits of his life like his father's suicide to help write the show offer yeah provide inspiration however um it finally gets to a point where he gets fired from the show because he's just like too out of it he keeps showing up later and later in the day and being very erratic unsurprisingly um like, at one point, it shows his daily routine is, like, getting out of bed a couple hours after Sandra, running five miles. Shooting up. Uh, shooting up. Yep. Shooting up, then running five miles, and uh, going to work for a little bit, and then going up and shooting more drugs. Yeah. And shooting more drugs. Yeah. So, that goes on and on. His wife manages to get him a new job on a different TV series called No Such Luck. But the star of the show um, tells Jerry he can't get the job unless he gets sober. She herself had been an addict and want basically, you know, she's trying to do a good thing for him, you know, and, yeah. and sympathizes, and she likes his writing. Yeah, everybody likes his writing. Like it's mentioned that he had written some stories that everybody thought were great, and that kind of is what helped him get his foot in the door. For in addition to like being married to. Someone who was pretty well connected in the television world. Whatever he was writing for Mr. Chompers apparently was <laughs> great. Oh, also. Mr. Chompers. Mr. Chompers. 
I wish we could have seen a little bit more Mr. Chompers yeah. in the movie. Yeah, that is something that I thought was kind of a letdown yep. for the movie, too, is that they really was not enough Mr. Chompers. Or, <laughs> um, a lot more shooting up than we needed in a far too little Mr. Chompers. Yeah, and I mean, I, I just... I having heard about the movie and, and the book and not having seen it, I just had heard, like, a lot of people really leaned heavily on the part where he was a writer for Alf, and that's, like, a very short section of the, the movie, it feels like. Yeah, and totally. And so it's like that the part was very over... Overblown. Overblown, yeah. Um, yeah, so... Um... In order to try and have the get this job for writing on No Such Luck, he decides to go into a methadone program. So he shows up, and the doctor is really pessimistic about his chances of getting clean. But he's like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna go through with this anyway, whatever." So he does. He takes his methadone treatment, and then on his way leaving the clinic, this dude just like forces drugs into his hand like hey now you're on crack cocaine yeah he like puts up the most minimal amount of resistance which is like oh fine like if i guess i'll do drugs still and then there's the scene where they're in the empty like office and they're just like hurling themselves against the plate glass window fucking high as shit yeah well i'm thinking it must not have been plate glass because it was really bouncy so it uh, must have had some sort of like plastic okay. element yeah you're, you're probably right the, the window. Hurling yeah. Them, hurling themselves against the window. Yeah. Um, and then it's still like a, a prodigy song. Yeah, smack my bitch up. Yeah, it's just like... <laughs> that, all right. That's... Okay, that's one of the other things I wanted to talk about is the music in the movie. Yeah. Oh my god. It A lot of the times... It, I mean, that I think was somewhat appropriate for this scene, but it was just like... Some of the music was really goofy. Yeah. It just, like, just score. Yeah, the score especially, I felt. Didn't really fit with it. It did seem a lot more like... Almost like it would fit in like a spy movie at times more than it would fit in a movie about drug addicts. Yeah. Hollywood writers. A way to like instantly date your movie also. Like putting the Prodigy song in there. Yeah. Well, they must not have realized it at the time. No, I mean... But yeah, yeah, it it felt really dated. Like a lot of the things in the movie felt like super, super 90s. So, yeah, so he gets the writing job... For very briefly, he gets the writing job on No Such Luck. Yeah, on, on No Such Luck, he gets the writing job, and he's kicked off almost immediately because he shows up to work super high, being totally weird and awkward. One thing that struck me: everybody just just kept giving him so many opportunities, like so they were so many. so tolerant of him being a fuck up. Well, and the part that was really weird, I think, was Sandra, his green card wife. That whole relationship was really weird to me. She she liked him? She liked him, but it was really pretty one-sided. Like, for him, it seemed like he was just getting the convenience of having another place to stay and someone to have sex with sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, so she liked him, but what was weird is, like, she definitely had walked in on him in one scene, shooting up, and just kind of was like, okay, I'm gonna pretend this isn't happening, sort of. And so, she gets pregnant. Yeah, and I mean, it just, it feels like that was something that definitely was uh, not done any justice to by having it be like a no. a movie version of a book because it just seems like we were missing chapters there like we're totally missing stuff except there were so many scenes of, of ben stiller being like totally super sweaty, sweaty yeah. and pallid and 
Yeah. Ugh, yeah. Clammy looking. And he was just like a walking clammy guy in leather. Yeah, so he gets Sandra pregnant, she has the baby, and, like, he's shooting up in the hospital bathroom as she's giving birth, and, like, the nurse is knocking on the door and is like, you gotta, you gotta get out here, like, your wife is giving birth right now, and she hands him the hospital gown, and he's like, oh, wait, this is a short-sleeved gown, and I just shot up, and they're gonna obviously be able to see my track marks, and they do, the doctor sees and knows what's going on and confronts him about it but then again nothing really happens nothing really happens he just kind of is like i mean i guess the doctor is not gonna be able to do much aside from being like what the fuck dude but it's still it's, have a baby yeah here's your baby <laughs> here you go sir thank you here you go sir and then at some point just because it's all over the place it's totally all over the place i mean it takes it's chronologically ordered but it, it just is jumping so much in time it's hard to really gauge yeah, tell how much time has passed because then he's back in the motel room with Kitty and then he's getting on a bus and then it's he's flashing back to when he's visiting Sandra. And she it, has him like watch the baby. While he's watching the baby, he's like, Yep, yeah, we're just gonna hang out in my car and I'm gonna get get real drugged up. So he's shooting up with the baby there and then he's driving with her in a Cadillac super, super slowly. And gets pulled over pretty, you know, like you totally expect to happen. You see it coming from a mile away. So the cop pulls him over and is immediately like, oh, this is bad news. He could tell that the baby hasn't been changed in a long time. So she gets taken into Child Protective Services and Jerry ends up finally, I think, going into rehab. I don't, that, like, that part isn't even It's not even really clear. clear. Yeah, it's just kind of like, okay, so he gets the babies taken away. And then, like, eventually he shows up again at Sandra's place um, with her, clean. With her. And so she's now got, like, a new husband, I think, so, or something. Boyfriend. Yeah, it's unclear. A, a again. partner. And their kid's a toddler. Yeah, so it's just, <laughs> this is, like, over the span of, like, ten minutes of the movie, too. Right. It's just like, oh, okay, so we're now... Okay, Two so years this is into now. the future? Sometime like, in the future. Yep. Yeah, and it's, yeah. So somehow he magically kicked all the drugs. And not surprisingly, Sandra doesn't really want to have much to do with him. And he's trying to finally have a relationship with their kid. And, and then she's like, oh, this is not really great. Like, I don't really want to have much to do with you. Yeah. And then he's hanging out with Kitty again. Kitty shows up and she's like, hey, guess what? I'm going off to Anchorage now. Bye. Yeah, and then... The... And then and then Jerry's on some TV shows, yeah. having written his book. Yeah, he's on Maury Povich. Yeah. Uh, what else was it? He was like on some late talk show, uh, late, Tom, late Tom show. Snyder. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's how the movie ends, just with him being like, oh, and yeah, my book is coming out permanent midnight. And everybody's just, like, talking about how he's a junkie. Yeah. And then Andy Dick is in the movie at the very end. Very, like, very end as... Another addict. Like, <laughs> yeah. Not himself, but just another yeah. heroin addict. And uh, and that's it. And that's it. Like, and, and, like, at the end, he makes a statement about how people are on these shows are talking about how awful that must have been to go through, how hard it is, and how he was like, well, actually kind of walking into a room of strangers is more terrifying than shooting up. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, who cares, I guess, is, like, the, the It's impression? kind of, like, the whole, the whole impression is just, like, 
there was nothing in the movie that really made you it, care yeah, about it, anything that's going on. Yeah, I mean... It's a shame. Yeah, I like Ben Stiller. I like Owen Wilson. Right. Like Elizabeth Hurley. Like, there's it's fine. a bunch yeah. of really talented actors, and they do fine in the movie. Right, like, they totally it, do. But it's just like, who gives a shit at the end of the day? Yeah. At it, the end of the movie. At the end of the movie. And, and this is not anything against the actual writer of the book. No. He was, like, not very involved in the movie, from what I can tell. He did have a cameo. As the methadone clinic yeah, doctor. The metho- at the meth- uh, yeah, at the methadone clinic. Um, but, oh, God. It just felt very truncated. Like, I feel like I got more out of just hearing that, oh, yeah, the guy the guy that wrote for ALF was a heroin addict. Like, hearing that, I feel it's, like, more fulfilling or more interesting than actually sitting down and watching a 90-minute movie about it. Right, and about this guy who inexplicably everybody just, like, tolerates for so long. Yeah. And he talks about that, like, briefly, he touches on it. Really, really that, like, briefly. Everybody in Hollywood is so self-involved that they really kind of turn a blind eye to him being totally fucked up on drugs all the time. But, yeah. I mean, it wasn't just people that were involved with his Hollywood career. It was, like, family. It was everybody. Yeah, his sort of wife. Real wife, but, like, yeah. yeah, whatever. Who cares? Who cares? And summation, who cares? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Maybe that should be a new rating. Like, who cares? <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, I mean, like, we've been kind of giving our impressions throughout, but it, it, yeah, it's just like, it's like when you hear about how there were writers on Muppet Babies that were Scientologists that were kind of putting vague elements of Scientology into... I would totally rather see a movie about that. Well, I just told you the best part about it. Like, they're really, they really... Oh. Didn't, they didn't put that much into it. Like, they just... Knowing that, oh yeah, there was a couple of Scientologists that wrote for Muppet Babies, and that's it. Like, there's... Yeah, you, you've heard the most interesting part of that story. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I kind of now want to watch, uh, like, see some Muppet Babies and they like, examples of how they yeah. put the doctrine of Scientology into it. I don't even think they really did it that much, so sure. it's just disappointing. Like, you hear that, like, oh, that sounds interesting, and then you, yeah. and then you look into it, and it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess that... <laughs> You're well, overblown. You know, I already said it's a shame. It, you know, it really is. Like, this movie could have done something. It could have been entertaining. Yeah. Like, there's even a bit at the beginning when um, Jerry's meeting Sandra for the first time. And he's in his leather pants. And he, like, bends over and his seams split. And then, like, his friend, oh, like, Owen Wilson's girlfriend is, like, sewing up the ass crack of his leather pants while he's laying down face forward on a bed. Like... They could have injected more dark humor into it if that's what they were going for, is like trying to make something funny. But instead they just like, it's like they're, I don't know if this was supposed to just be an hour and a half long anti-drug movie where where they're like, nope, don't do heroin because it's really boring. Yeah, and I mean, no shit. <laughs> yeah. well, <I> mean... <laughs> or like just the, the repetitive tedium of yeah, it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it really, I mean... Like, even as an anti-drug movie, Train Spotting did a much better job of being right around engaging the same time. and making you not want to do drugs. Like, mm-hmm. that that did a much better job. And then after it, you know, Requiem for a Dream, obviously very, mm-hmm. very engaging and traumatizing to watch and also a good anti-drug uh, motivator. But, like, this, it's just like, yeah, so, I mean... It just really falls flat. And, and again, when you bring up those movies, it's like, there are some really great examples of how you do a movie about someone or people who 
do heroin and like possibly get off heroin and possibly don't whatever but there are ways of showing these things without glamorizing them and still making it an interesting and entertaining movie you know like we were kind of mentioning earlier the the whole elements of him being a tv writer in the movie are really kind of glossed over like people made a much bigger deal of that than was really portrayed in the movie and i guess for good reason because he really only wrote three episodes of alf over the course of three years i guess so there's not much to draw from there so it's he like wrote an episode of northern exposure and an episode of the second season of twin peaks and, and stuff like that so it's so it's like he would write episodes for TV shows here and there. Yeah. Not like he was a, a regular writer on a show. And I mean, I guess you wouldn't be able to hold a steady writing job. With yeah. But it, it just... Which, you know, in the way it kind of speaks to the talent of the guy. Like, that he was able to jump into these shows on heroin and write, write for, like, such disparate shows. Yeah. You know, he's probably a really good writer, but yeah. it's just like this movie did not really show any of that. Yeah, I mean, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Like, seeing how that would impact his writing process, that would be interesting. But we don't see any of that. We just see him going into, like, meetings with the other writers. And, and, and like, being high. So we couldn't really find a lot of interesting tidbits about this movie. It seems like it didn't do well at the time. It never really had a wide audience. So you usually are able to find... Something. Something about a movie as recent as this. Yeah, and... Especially something that gets kind of lauded as a cult classic, which I don't really see. I like, don't hear anybody talking about no. this. Everybody, I saw some websites referring to it as a cult classic. And what was that website? Like, if you want to call any movie that hasn't been seen by a lot of people a cult classic, you know, all right. Yeah. Oh, oh, behavenet.com. Yeah. So Tara did find a pretty great website. Just in the, the process, as, as we were looking for information, she found behavenet.com. And it's a website where they take a movie and they just list every single quote that references drugs and they kind of give you a brief description of every scene where drugs are used. And it's just like, oh, at this minute in the movie, uh, they say this line about heroin. And then yeah. like, at this point, he's like using Dilaudid. And... Yeah, it's like a weird, it's not just that there's other elements to the website, but it, it is just weird that it has that element like, here's a timestamp list of all the times that drugs are referenced in a movie. Who needs that? Who knows? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're working on a project, like a you're trying to make a documentary and you want to use reference material. Yeah. You know. It just seems very niche. It seems ex incredibly niche. Yeah. So, that I mean, that was one something. <laughs> That's a website we found out about that we didn't know about before. This movie just sapped a lot of our energy, I, I think. I mean, it just, it, it was just, like, left me with so. Bleh. Yeah, it's a little of an impression. It's hard to really. Yeah find anything to care about it's gonna be one of those movies where like two months from now i look back at the episodes we did i'm like yeah I know. oh I'm like, what oh, yeah oh, oh we, yeah that was a thing we did that movie i guess one thing that was kind of like an interesting connection was that ben stiller's mom was an actress on elf she acted on eight episodes of elf <laughs> so there's a weird link there that is a super weird link um Maybe I like, wonder if that's how Ben Stiller found out, or like, yeah, maybe. ended up in the the movie. I didn't check to see if she was like in the episodes that Jerry Stoll wrote or not, but yeah. So weird. So, I just want to bring back a, a segment from the last episode that we did. Well, actually, <laughs> everybody's favorite new yeah, segment. The new, the new segment that I'm <laughs> forcing into segment. this episode too. Um, <laughs> so, like, it, just looking at the the goofs section on IMDb, just seeing things that aren't goose like what the fuck are you talking about like why would you 
<laughs> why, why would you feel compelled to submit this to IMDb? But uh, <laughs> there, there's somebody who posted a, a goof, quote-unquote, about Permanent Midnight, where uh, they said, Well, uh, Sandra could have just taken Jerry's car keys and have him stay at her home to watch the baby, and this way he has no means to go out and buy drugs. It's like, you know... It, that's not a goof that you're just like criticizing the plot at this point like well i would have done it this way if i was writing the movie like <laughs> not a goof like that's fine but you know that is not uh what you would classify as a goof no and additionally let me poke holes in your argument he could have gotten a taxi he could have walked places <laughs> yeah, he could have like, called somebody to come over with drugs like, like why, why didn't oh wait in la there's a million ways to get drugs yeah the there's fuck? probably drug delivery services <laughs> yeah i'm sure there are like, yeah at the time he i'm sure there weren't apps on cell phones but he could have called gus and had gus bring drugs over. right like, I'm, yeah. someone would have brought him drugs R- yeah and I don't know. Like, why, did, why didn't she just knock him out with a blackjack and then drag him into rehab? Why didn't she do that? that like, because that's not how the movie was written. Sorry. And probably that's not how it happened in Jerry Stoll's real life. Fuck you, internet person. Yeah, I give That could your... be like another segment. Fuck you, internet person. Yeah, yeah. I give your goof an F minus. So. <laughs> it's just like how I want there badly to be the ability to respond to people's reviews on yelp then i feel like every <laughs> response i would be just like shut the fuck up like, this mcdonald's they gave me a cold french fry one time like shut up like, it doesn't like you. Uh, yeah. yeah anyway um so look for that segment in the next episode uh, <laughs> and other other imdb posters uh to criticize so it feels like this is a good juncture for us to go ahead and have a Seamless transition. To talking about The Endless. Yeah, uh, The Endless, the new movie by, is it Aaron Morehouse and yeah. Justin Benson? Yes. Okay. Um, so they're two, this is their, their third movie that they've made. They've done a couple of other horror movies, horror adjacent S- movies. Uh, Resolution and Spring, which are both really good. Not super scary, but just like really unique. Eerie and yeah. unique. For I guess sure. you could call it, if you were going to, I hate the term mumblecore, but that would kind of apply to at least resolution, I would say. Yeah. Um, Spring is really interesting because it's kind of a love story and horror story at the mm-hmm. same time. And it's it's really, they're, they're both very good movies. But yeah, The Endless is their new movie that's coming out now. I guess it's out in some limited availability in cities now i'm sure it'll be on like video on demand and stuff soon too but it's basically about these two brothers um who grew up in a cult and the older brother at some point realized that it was not a good situation to be raising a kid in and so he got his younger brother out of there and they both escaped the cult and they're living pretty shitty lives in the real world after getting some brief brief notoriety like for having escaped this cult Mm -hmm. they are basically living in a shitty apartment working shitty jobs just barely getting by and so the younger brother is like i feel like things were a lot better when we were back in the cult like like and there was good food we had a nice place to live we were out were, in nature we have people that we could the, be around people like, who cared about us yeah and and so the older brother justin is like kind of begrudgingly agrees well to... they get a videotape yes they, that's that's right. the real impetus a video shows up at their apartment, and it seems to be sent to them by the cult members saying, you know, we're here waiting for you, sort of thing. 
And so that really drives the younger brother to want to go back and visit. Yeah, and so Justin, the older brother, begrudgingly agrees because he knows that they really there's he's not going to drop it. Yeah, it's, and so they they go back to the the cult compound, and it's hard. Like I don't want to give too much away, but yeah. like it becomes clear pretty quickly that there is some weird shit going on and not just like a cult yeah it's like there's some supernatural elements that are happening there that are just some like mysterious things going on yeah and then things get weirder and weirder from there and if those haven't sold you already just know that there's one character in the movie called shitty carl yeah so Come on, you guys gotta go see this movie. Yeah. But, I mean, you should really check out the other movies that they've done as well, because they're all really good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would I would definitely recommend you go see The Endless. Try and find it in a theater near you. And I would also highly encourage you to go check out Resolution, their first film. Yeah, Resolution, it's uh, really interesting. It's about... Relatedly, these... it's about uh, a guy who's on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a friend trying to get him clean. Yeah. You can definitely get that on demand, uh, and the spring as well, I'm, I'm sure, is on demand. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's, I think that's it for this episode. Yeah, I think that wraps it up. Uh, I would like to say thank you very much to the awesome Seattle band Boat for allowing us to use their song lately off of the album Setting the Paces. Thank you. Thank you, Boat. Uh, of course, as always, if you want to stay on top of our episode releases, see our blog posts, you can go to our website, terranandrewversus.com. You can send us feedback at terranandrewversus at gmail.com. We're all over the social medias as well. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Pinterest. Pinterest. Pinterest, yeah. Check out our <laughs> pins that we're posting, guys. Epicurious, check out our recipes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a there's a great uh, guacamole recipe that we've liked <laughs> on there. So... We should actually do we that. should probably do that. that, that would be, we yeah. should probably add that to our website. Okay. We're gonna add a res- coming soon a recipe section. Yeah. Just a little uh, a little taster for you. Yeah. So you you'll want to check out our website. Yeah, please please do. <laughs> um, uh, lastly, we we would also like to encourage you all to go out and support the local independent video store in your area if there is one obviously if you're in the seattle area the scarecrow video they're actually doing like a 30 year anniversary fundraiser so that now is a very good time to donate money like any time is a good time of course but now is a especially good time since they've got the fundraiser going on yeah let's help keep them open for another 30 years yeah but no more That's it, 30 <laughs> years and then, and then done <laughs> yeah no uh, <laughs> Hopefully longer than another 30 years, but we're all going to be... If we're all around in 30 yeah, years, we're all let's, be let's hope the, uh, Scarecrow's then. there. Yeah. Um, if you're not in Seattle, there's, uh, of course, other independent video stores that you can check out. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, um, I guess until next time, catch, catch you later, later potato, potato hags. hags.